It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, my friends. How are you today on this June 25th, 2023? Welcome to today's edition of The Financial Physician, where we talk money markets and politics uh, and anything that affects your life. Uh, uh, how you doing, Paul? Doing good, Lou. Our last show together. Can you believe it? I don't. I, I can't believe it. Uh, for those just tuning in, this is the last uh, radio program uh, that we're doing here on WOBM. After 23 years, our final program is today. Uh, the show's not going away. The show's just going to be podcast only. And we've been telling you about that for four or five weeks now, so you could plan on that. Uh, but today is the last Sunday I'm coming into the station to do a radio program. It feels kind of weird, you know. It's uh, I have uh, I feel good about the future of the podcast. It's the way the the way that it's going. Uh, but this being such a big part of my life for 23 years, it's going to be weird next Sunday when I sleep late and don't have to come into the studio. Uh, but those of you who are listening live right now and you get up every every Sunday morning, thank you so much. I appreciate all our live listeners. I, I can't tell you uh, how much I do appreciate you over the years joining us. I mean, we were on 11 to 12 in the afternoon for many years following Bob Levy. Uh, then we were on 9 to 11 on the AM station for a long time. Uh, and now, for the last year and a half, we've been on um, earlier in the morning on uh, 92.7 WOBM. But for all our listeners over the years, thank you so much for listening. I, I have just a wonderful, loyal listening base, and uh, hopefully you'll all follow me over to the podcast. Um, the podcast is easy to use. Just go to the, the financialphysician.com and just click on the radio tab up top, and uh, you'll be linked right to Podomatic and our most recent radio program. It's, now, it's not going to be a radio program. It's going to be a podcast. Uh, pretty similar to this show. It's You're not going to see much difference. As a matter of fact, uh, you're gonna, it's going to be better. It's going to be better in a lot of ways. A, I'm going to work hard to produce a really, really good product for you. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be able to talk about subjects more in depth than we can here on this uh, radio show because of the limitations of terrestrial radio. You know, you can't say certain things on the radio. Um, and uh, we're going to be doing midweek uh, podcasts as well. So the, the channel is going to be um, uh, it's going to be very, very active. Also, we have our Rumble uh, uh, station, our Rumble channel, where we're going to have the videos. Uh, we're going to ultimately go 100% video. Uh, for this uh, podcast. So it's going to be a video podcast ultimately. Uh, but the first uh, podcast will be next Sunday. I will have it uploaded by 9 a.m. That's the goal every Sunday morning to have a new podcast available at the website. Uh, if you want to know when we op- when we update uh, during the week uh, or on the weekend, then um, you want to give us your email. 
So if you go to thefinancialphysician.com, you go up to the top right, you'll see email. Just give us your email. We're not going to market you. We're not going to share that information with anybody. We're just going to let you know when we've done something either on our, our Rumble stage, or channel or the website or a blog post or, or a podcast update. So hopefully all of you listening live to the program will be continuing to follow me. There's lots to talk about, as you know. Uh, we're living in a crazy world right now, and uh, we're going to we're gonna really cover a lot of subjects um, over at uh, the financialphysician.com uh, podcast. Um, so uh, every week so many things happen, you know, preparing for the show this morning, putting the polish on the show. I forgot some of the stuff that happened earlier this week. I had to go through all these if you see my desk, all you see is article after article piled all over the place. So as I'm laying these out this morning, uh, it was reminding me of different things. Uh, obviously, bombshell revelations on the Bidens. Uh, by the way, the Bidens are done. Uh, I said last week on the program that Biden will not be the candidate. And I'm 100% sure now after the past week that's gone by. Uh, we're seeing the media starting to abandon him now, which is, you know, that's what we needed to see. And once the media, the mainstream media, uh, has turned against him and his son, they, they no longer can defend him. Uh, it's over. So uh, it's just a matter of time how this is going to transpire. We'll go deeper into that uh, later in the show. Um, uh, but Hunter... Um, he got the slap on the wrist, heard around the world. <laughs> I mean, the biggest slap on the wrist uh, uh, that anybody's ever got, considering the crimes that he committed. Uh, uh, but that's not over yet. Uh, and it's interesting that uh, the slap on the wrist, uh, no jail time, misdemeanor, IRS violation, uh, a gun violation, but since he's a crack addict at the time, he gets intervention and no jail time. I mean, come on. Uh, we'll talk about I don't. I don't want to get into it now. We'll talk about it later. Also this week, we had um, Durham in front of Congress. Uh, we'll play some of that later on. Uh, uh, I don't know what to make of him. I mean, uh, obviously he didn't investigate or even talk to the key players in this investigation. So the Republicans are upset with him. And the Democrats were all over him because, you know, he's destroyed their Russian narrative, you know, which was a total lie. Uh, we'll play some of that later. Uh, we had the drama of the sub-disaster. I mean, shortly after we left the program on Sunday, you know, it was they were missing a sub that went down to the Titanic. Uh, so that, that drama played all week. And I got to tell you, that plays on all my, all my fears, all my fears, uh, all week long. I mean, I was praying for these people because I wouldn't even get in that sub on dry land. I'm so claustrophobic, let alone go down two and a half miles to the bottom of the ocean floor in it. Uh, it had, uh, uh, my biggest fear, which is claustrophobia, uh, number one, number two, they get to the bottom and you think they're sitting in the dark and the cold, uh, then you don't know the uncertainty. Does anybody know where you are? Are they going to ever find you? How are they going to get you out? Uh, it, it must've been terrifying. I thought, and then we found out later in the week that it probably was an instantaneous implosion, a total catastrophic failure of the vehicle. And I was so relieved to hear that. I mean, these people weren't going to be saved. Do you think if they found that sub in the bottom, they had a way of bringing it up? How do you bring it up? They had no idea how to do that. So they, they, there's no way that they were going to be saved. They were doomed, you know, as soon as they lost contact 
uh, with the ship up top. But uh, uh, I was gratified to hear that they died instantly. Um, uh, not that anybody dying, you know, is a good thing. But if you're going to die, I'd rather die instantaneously like that than sit at the bottom of the ocean floor, freaked out in the dark in the cold for five days till the oxygen ran out and then suffocate to death. So uh, that was um, kind of a diversion to all the other stuff that was going on. And then this weekend, we had an attempted coup in Russia. Oh, nothing big there. I mean, the biggest nuclear power in <laughs> in the world. Uh, and uh, that was pretty scary stuff. Now, it was over as soon, you know, as quick as it started. And we'll, we're going to talk about that in the second hour, too, because that, that was a very dangerous situation. And it still may be. Uh, what else do we have to talk about on the show later on? Um, oh, the United Nations is planning a digital ID linked to bank accounts. You hear about that? I mean, um, another way of controlling us. Uh, oh, uh, you know, we're going to have lab-grown food now. Do you hear about this meat that they're growing in the lab now? Oh, nothing go wrong there. Uh, so lots to talk about here on the financial physician. A lot of it in the second hour. First hour, we tend to talk markets and personal finance and and today is no different uh being our last show we're going to keep with the the same format and the last few weeks i've been talking to you about the um the retirement crisis in america and i spent the opening of the show last week talking about it uh and uh it's it's a real problem and an article came out this week that said that 70 percent of baby boomers expressed uncertainty over whether their retirement savings were healthy enough to carry them through retirement according to a study from Retirement Living. Um, so, you know, people are very concerned. And, and, and the baby boomers, my age now, you know, early 60s, uh, we're part of the consumer society. You know, we're the, we're, we're the, the generation that had car payments our whole lives, uh, that refinanced our mortgage every chance we get to pull cash out, uh, that paid an uh, astronomical amount of money to send our kids to be indoctrinated in universities around the country. And we have all that debt, not to mention inflation eating up our savings and causing many Americans to use credit cards to get by. Uh, so it's it's a pretty bad situation um, for many people in their mid-50s, early 60s, uh, entering retirement right now. And people are working longer. A Gallup poll from last year found that the age individuals expect to retire has risen from 60 in 1995. That was the average age in 95 was 60. Uh, it's 19, It's 66 in 2022. Uh, my guess is it's going to be 70 soon. <clears throat> right? Now, we're living longer. Uh, that makes sense. So, you know, if we could work longer and save money, you know, more. Uh, uh, look, you know, I have clients that are 95 years old, even older. All right. And that's that's not unusual for me to have a 90 year old client. I mean, you retire. It's even 60, 65. You know, you're talking 25 years that you have to support yourself. And uh, retirement living found that 18 percent of boomers relied entirely on Social Security or government programs for retirement income. Thirty six percent said they relied heavily on Social Security. So, um and 74% of Americans said that they cannot count on Social Security benefits when planning retirement income because they don't know if Social Security is going to be solvent. We've talked about that, you know, as things pro- progressions are now by, I think it's 2032, which I think is optimistic, uh, they're going to have to start cutting back benefits 
if something isn't done. So Americans are, are working longer. One in eight boomers have downsized their homes. We're going to talk about the importance of that in a second. Uh, 5% are drawing from the equity in their home in order to retire. Um, 47% are decreasing spending. Uh, Those who are still working, 30% are increasing their savings. 26% are investing in safe assets. 26% said they're going to continue to work full-time. Uh, those who are retired, 20% say they're going to par- apply for a part-time job. So uh, Americans are adjusting their behavior because they have to. And a study recently said that only one in four boomers have discussed their retirement plans with a professional, like a certified financial planner. And that's a big mistake. Um, you know, uh, since so many boomers are retiring lately, I see a lot of people now in their early 60s, 60, 62, uh, who are coming to me uh, either just prior to retirement or a couple of years away from it, and they want to know if they can retire. You know, most people really don't know, or if they think they know, maybe they, they don't really know, are they going to be able to survive in retirement? Can I retire now? Can I retire at 66 or, 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 or do I have to work till 70? It's hard for you to figure that out yourself unless you're pretty astute financially. And that's where a good financial planner comes in. And I could tell you if you could retire in 10 minutes. 10 minutes, I'll tell you if you can retire now. The good news is that people who come to me, they're not broke. I mean, people don't come to me that have debt, no savings, no 401k, and come to a certified financial planner for financial planning. It's it just not done. I mean, you're already, you know, you, you, your future has already been carved in stone. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but people come to me with assets, with a good 401k. They have, uh, maybe they had lucky enough to have a pension. And I'm able to look at their their, their expenses. I'm looking at where their income sources are and their, their savings and assets and investments. And we're able to come up with a plan. But pre-retirement planning really should be done five years prior to when you expect to retire. Now, for many people now, um, many are holding out till full retirement age, uh, which for anyone born in 1960 uh, or later is 67 years old. That's when you can get, you know, your full Social Security uh, and you're already in Medicare at that point, so your health care is pretty much taken care of for the most part. Uh, and that's where people now are coming to me and saying, Lou, I'm, I want to retire at 67. I want to retire at 66 in 10 months if I'm a little older than you. And uh, can I do it? Well, the first thing we have to look at uh, is income sources. All right, I'm retired now. I don't have a job. Where's my money going to come from? Well, the first one, we're all going to get Social Security if we live, if we worked long enough, obviously. Uh, some of us are lucky and very fortunate to get a pension. You work for the government or a union, uh, you, you're probably going to get a pension. You're a teacher. You're a police officer. Uh, you work for the state of New Jersey in any capacity. If you're a New Jersey resident or if you're in another state, California or uh Mostly blue states. Uh, these unions have negotiated sweetheart pension deals. 
And, you know, many, I, I know many, many people here in New Jersey that have retired at 55. They were a police officer getting full pension, full medical, and then they go get another job. And if they're working within government, they get a second pension starts rolling around. Uh, so if you're fortunate like that, um, uh, you're in good shape. So between your pension and Social Security, I have many people with pensions uh, that were government workers uh, that retire with over 100000 in income between Social Security and, uh, and their pension. Now, the question is, is either of those two going to be available to you in the future? You know, a lot of these pensions are underfunded. We know Social Security now is a deficit. Uh, you know, but who knows? I mean, can we? nobody could predict that. <laughs> and if it's not there, well, it's, what do we do? I don't know. We, I guess we have to cross that bridge when we come to it. But here's why it's so important to pre-plan your retirement, because when you get close to retirement and you're ready to retire, you have to make irrevocable life decisions. And to make these decisions without a financial planner is foolish. Absolutely foolish. I mean, these are decisions that are going to affect you and your spouse's financial life for maybe 25 years. Why wouldn't you go see a financial advisor? Right? Because if you have a pension, you have options now. And people give you a package, right? And it says, okay, here's your options, Joe. Uh, You could take a $500,000 lump sum payment. You can get $1,700 a month if you want a a monthly pension instead uh, for the rest of your life. But, you know, once you die, it stops. Or you could take a survivor pension where if you die, you're, you could take less money per month. But if you die, your spouse will get some of that pension, either 100% or 50%. So, I mean, do you, how do you make that decision? It's a complicated decision. And there's things that you may not even think about in this. And this is where a good financial planner is going to be able to look at this and say, you know what? What if you took the life pension, took the higher amount, $300 more a month than if you take a survivor pension, and if you're healthy, you could buy a life insurance policy for four or $500,000 for $150 a month, and now you're ahead of the game. Just crunch some numbers. You can't. You're not going to do that. A lot of people didn't even think about that as a possibility. I do it all the time. Same with Social Security. What's your options? Well, first option is when do I take it? Well, if you take it at 62, you're going to get 25% less a month than if you wait to full retirement age. And it precludes you from making any real money. So if you're taking Social Security before full retirement age and all of a sudden, you know, your budget's not working out and you want to go get a job, you can't earn more than $21,000 and you start losing your Social Security payments. Or maybe it makes sense to pay down your savings, you know, take some of your savings to live off of until you hit full retirement age. We do that all the time. I advise people to do that all the time. I've even had people take home equity lines of credit to live off of for two years to get the full retirement age. By the time. There's ways of doing that. So those are the two biggies as far as income goes, is pension and Social Security, but you better, you better crunch those numbers with a good financial planner uh, and, and, and get proper advice on the decisions you're going to make there because they are irrevocable. And I, I hate it when someone comes to me, they've already made these decisions, they're already in retirement, and I said, you made a mistake. 
You know, I hate to tell people that because it's, you know, it's it's, it's water under the bridge. You can't go back and change it. Uh, but it but it really it really depresses me when people have made big mistakes in that regard, and it happens all the time. Irrevocable lifelong decisions. Why not see a financial advisor? Uh, and in my case, you know, I have a no obligation consultation. I'll spend an hour with you, look at your retirement situation, tell you what the options are, and you could leave. It costs you nothing. <laughs> so, you know, why not uh, take, the, you know, take the time and do that? And like I said, I'm very busy now. A lot of people are coming to me with this pre-retirement planning. Can I retire? Look, can I retire? And, and I love when I can tell somebody, yes, you can retire today if you want. And many times I could tell them that. They're just, in, they're just not sure. They've had a feeling that they're in pretty good shape, but they need somebody to tell them that. Another thing that comes up in this meeting usually is, Lou, how do I look compared to other people that you see? You know what I mean? And I, I may tell them, you're in the top 5% of retired people. And their eyes get wide open. Really? I go, yeah. No, you're in good shape. And other people, I have to tell them, well, no, you're not ready to retire yet. Well, you can retire, but you're not going to be living a very good life. What are other income? You know, the first one is the pension and Social Security. Pension, if you're lucky to get it. Now, a smaller percentage of Americans every year get a pension now because it's pretty much now corporations don't pay pensions. They give you a 401k. So if you don't work for the government or a, or a union, uh, chances are you don't get a pension. So it's all on you and Social Security. So what are other uh, avenues of income in retirement? Well, dividends and interest. But you have to have savings and investments to get dividends and interest. So hopefully you do. Hopefully during your lifetime you put money in your 401k, IRA accounts, uh, regular savings and investments. Uh, and then you could turn that on to say, okay, you know, I want those dividends. I want that interest paid to me. And if you're looking at it, if you have uh, uh, $250,000 saved and you can get 5% on that, that's 1000 a month. That's 1000 a month added to your Social Security and pension if you have it. What else could be give us income? Um, how about rental property? Do you have any property where someone's paying your rent? Well, if you have positive cash flow on that, that's income. You could work part-time in retirement. More and more Americans are opting to do that. And why not? You know, when you're 70 years old, a 70-year-old person nowadays is a pretty healthy person. Unless they got the jab. Well, that's another story. We'll talk about that later. Uh, life expectancy is dropping in the United States. Do you know that? You know, life expectancy has dropped from, I think it was 77 to now it's 74 for, for males in America. Why is life expectancy suddenly dropping the last couple of years? Hmm. I wonder why. Uh, so working part-time at 70 years old, you know, most of us uh, at 70 years old are pretty damn healthy. Uh, we're not decrepit. Now, 30 years ago, 70 isn't what it is today. 70-year-olds today you know, are much healthier, much more active people. They've taken better care of themselves. They've, they've eaten better in many cases, and they've had better health care. Uh, and they, 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 they're in better shape at that age. What are you going to do, sit home and watch Wheel of Fortune all day? 
or even worse, the mainstream news all day long. Uh, who wants to do that? Uh, many of us want to get out of our house uh, and do something productive. Maybe we don't want that grind of nine to five. We don't want that stress. But maybe we want something we could do where we make sure, you know, just enough money for the groceries. Gets us out of the house for a few hours. Gets us to interact with society a little bit. Um, what else can we do? Well, we could spend down our principal in, in, in addition to interest and dividends. You know, so people come to me and say, here, Lou, here's my nest egg. Uh, when I die, I like it to be zero. I don't care about inheritance for my kids. They, they don't need it. Uh, so figure out for me how much I could take every month of this money with an assumed rate of return, and I want to spend it down. Isn't that what retirement savings is for? Isn't retirement savings for your retirement, or, or is it for your kids' retirement? <laughs> and, and for many of you entering retirement right now, the inheritance from your parents is your retirement plan. Uh, that's right, because your parents didn't spend their principal. Uh, that was against everything that they grew up learning about. You save money, you don't spend it, right? Uh, so many of my, my clients, 60 years old or something, thank God they're inheriting hundreds of thousands of dollars because otherwise they have nothing. But do you want your retirement uh, to be there for your kids or do you want it to be there for you? Uh, I think most Americans now are more more inclined to want to spend it for themselves. Uh, what other income sources can we have in retirement? Well, if you have a lot of equity in your home, you could do a reverse mortgage and have money coming in every month. We'll talk about that in a second. So identifying income sources is the most important thing, the first thing that we need to do in retirement planning. The second thing we need to do is to look at expenses. What are my expenses going to look like when I'm retired? All right, well, let's look at our fixed expenses. Do we have a mortgage? Hopefully not. Uh, but if we do, how much is that going to cost? Do I have a homeowner's association fee? Am I paying rent? What are my utilities? What are my, my cell phone bill, my cable bill? These are all fixed expenses. Do I have a car payment? Now we look at variable expenses, groceries, Travel, you know, I worked my whole life. Now uh, I don't work. Uh, my, my wife and I, are we going to go do go on vacation two or three times a year? Do uh, I wanted to see Asia. Uh, are we going to do that? Are we going to be able to do it? Clothing. Um, here's, the very, here's the big variable in retirement. And most people wouldn't think about this when they're planning. Your kids calling you and hitting you up for money. Uh, it's a big issue in retirement. Trust me. I see it all the time. My clients call us up and say, I need 10 grand. Uh, Joe, what do you need the 10 grand for? Oh, I'm helping out my son or daughter. He's out of work and he's behind on his mortgage or I'm trying to pay off the credit cards or I, I'm trying to help up my grandson go to, uh, college. Trust me. If you have kids that aren't super successful, those phone calls are going to come. And that's 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 the huge variable. I've seen people's total retirement plan blow up because of their children trying to help it out. Look, we love our kids. We're not going to let them lose their house. We got grandkids there too. You do what you got to do, right? Uh, but unfortunately, we do it to our own detriment. 
We have to look at medical costs, right? You know, especially if you're not 65 or older. You know, a lot of people either forced into retirement early, they're laid off, they're downsized, or they're disabled. Uh, uh, they're not healthy, they have health issues, uh, and they have to retire prior to 65. Well, if you look at what insurance costs these days, <laughs> it is going to be the major cost in your monthly budget will be health insurance in most cases. But even if we have Medicare, um, what's our um, supplemental insurance going to cost us? Have we investigated that? What's our co-pays and everything going to cost us? There was an estimate done that uh, a senior couple over their retirement are going to spend 265000 out of pocket for health care costs. That includes premiums for insurance and, and, and out-of-pocket costs. And, and how about long-term health care? There's a variable that we don't know nothing about. Who knows what that's going to be in the future? Hard to plan on that one. There's some things you could do. So the most important thing is, okay, what's my, my expenses going to be uh, and what's my income going to be? That's not terribly hard to do. Uh, but now we have to look at the main driver of retirement. And what is the main driver of retirement? Housing decisions. Housing decisions drive everything in retirement, period. End of story, that's it. How you live, where you live, how expensive your home is, your equity that you have, uh, the cost for real estate taxes and all that stuff is important. So... Are you going to downsize? Are you going to stay in the home that you live in now? Well, if you have a mortgage and you have, still have some substantial equity in your house, downsizing can make that mortgage go away. And in some cases, you could free up extra equity and use it to produce income for you. So let's take an example. Say you have a home that's worth uh, $500,000 and you have a $250,000 mortgage on it. Well, your interest and principal payment, not counting real estate taxes, is seventeen hundred a month. So let's say you sold the house for five hundred thousand. You're left with two hundred and fifty thousand in equity. You move to a retirement community, and you purchase a house for cash for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and you could do that. Uh, so now you've eliminated the seventeen hundred dollar a month mortgage payment. Maybe your real estate taxes went down substantially. They will go down substantially because obviously real estate taxes are based on assessed value of the home. If the home's half what it used to be, chances are your real estate taxes are going to be half than they used to be. Your utilities will be lower because you're heating a smaller home. You're using less electricity, less natural gas. And I've suggested downsizing to, to many clients, and it's been a, a life changer, a game changer financially. I did it with my own parents when they retired. My father had a house, but he had, you know, first and second mortgage on it. He had some credit card debt. He had a decent pension and, and Social Security. Um, but I told him, look, you know, if you stay in this house, you're not leaving it because you're going to have no money left over for anything else. If we sell the house, take the equity that you have in it and buy some small place in the retirement community, uh, it's going to change everything. And sure enough, it did. And for the first time in my parents' life, they were able to save a little money. 
They were able to go out to dinner and do some traveling and, and whatnot. It was a game changer. Housing decisions drive everything. Because for most people, that's where most of their money is, is in their home. And uh, the main goal of anybody in retirement is not to have a mortgage payment. And unfortunately, over the years, I mean, hardly anybody 30 years ago had a mortgage payment at 65, 70 years old. Now more than half of Americans do. And one way to make that go away is to, to downsize. Now, say you don't want to downsize. Say you, uh, you don't, um, you like where you live, you like your neighbors, uh, uh, the house is exactly the way you want it to be, and yeah, I know, Lou, you know, I have a, you know, I have a mortgage here, but, you know, we just love it here, we don't want to move, we don't move away from our family and our friends. All right, well, then consider reverse mortgage. Get that, you can get a reverse mortgage, pay off the traditional mortgage, make that mortgage payment go away. And mortgage, reverse mortgages are probably one of the most misunderstood financial vehicles out there. Uh, talk about a financial magic wand that can change a person's life. I've used reverse mortgages for that uh, just to pay off other debt. So say you have a $500,000 home and you have a $200,000 mortgage that you're paying $1,500 a month on. Say you have $25,000 in credit card debt, which... <laughs> It sounds like a lot to some people. Believe me, it's not. Uh, that's four hundred a month, just paying the minimums. Uh, and then let's say you have twenty five thousand on a car loan, you're paying five hundred a month for that. That's twenty nine hundred a month in debt service. Take a three hundred thousand dollar reverse mortgage, pay it all off. You just save three thousand a month. See how that works? Or say you have no debt on your home, but you only have Social Security coming in. Or a small pension. Why not have your house pay you every month to live there? Well, a reverse mortgage could give you a check every single month and help um, help supplement your income. So retirement planning is important. It's very important. Now, obviously, the earlier you do this, the better. Uh, you know, a financial advisor could tell you to save more money, to, to, to you know, reevaluate your budget and put more money away and, and, and so forth and so on. Uh, and probably five years before retirement is a good time to talk to a planner. Uh, but certainly within a year, if you plan on retirement in a year, you've got to go see a financial planner. And when it comes time to make those decisions or when I take Social Security, you know, what pension option I could take if I, I'm fortunate enough to have a pension, boy, you got to go see a financial planner before you make these decisions. And a good financial planner, certified financial planner, will be able to, um, within one meeting, tell you, A, can you retire? B, tell you some moves that you should make in retirement to make it better for you. Uh, and then lastly, uh, it's time for estate planning when we retire to make sure that, you know, uh, our will's in order, our living will, and our power of attorney and all the things that we need. So more and more every day, tens of thousands of people are entering retirement. Uh, and it's so important that um, you do the proper planning and make the right decisions because you make the wrong decisions. Uh, about pension options or when to take Social Security, 
uh, it's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. Now, before I go to break, I want to bring to your attention something that's happened here in New Jersey uh, that is um, big, big, big news for seniors. You hear about this one, Paul? That part of the New Jersey budget uh, is they're going to cut property taxes for seniors 65 and older who make 500000 or less, 50%. Yeah, that's a lot of money, right? If you're a senior listening to me and you live in New Jersey, New Jersey has the highest property taxes in America, right? It's stifling to many, uh, to many people who live in New Jersey, seniors. In this budget, and I believe it's been approved, uh, uh, it was originally going to be $10,000 uh, mo- to benefit. Right now it's $6,500. Uh, so uh, you'll see your bill cut in half up to 6500 Now, the original proposal was half your bill up to 10000 and no income limitations. Well, people started screaming and yelling, saying, uh, is it fair that uh, uh, our governor, who's a billionaire, uh, would have 50% reduction in his property taxes when he doesn't need it? Uh, and uh, so they came to a, a compromise that 500000 How many retired people do you know, Paul, that make 500000 a year? Very, very few. So most seniors, 65 and older, will get, Again, I, b- I believe this has been finally approved uh, and will be part of the state budget. We'll get a 50% reduction in their property taxes. It starts in 2026, all right? So it's not going to happen immediately. Uh, I'll conveniently be 66 at that point. You know, Paul's doing the math himself. <laughs> Am I going to be there? Uh, yeah, um, uh, I'll be there too. So in my case, you know, my property taxes are $8,000 a year. It'll become four, right? That's $3,350 a month savings. That's huge. So if you're hearing this for the first time and you're a senior in New Jersey that owns a home, you should be dancing in your living room right now uh, because this is really, really big. Uh, and I'm 100% be- you know, behind this, being 63. <laughs> so the way this is going to work is it's going to be a credit against your uh, tax bill. You're not going to get a refund or anything like that. Is that if you're you normally would pay uh, two thousand dollars for your quarterly property taxes, you're going to pay a thousand. Sounds good to me. Now the question is, how they're going to pay for it? Uh, it's going to cost a one point three billion dollar annual price tag. Uh, and uh, there's some concern. Well, how are we going to pay for this? Well, for the three year delay, they're going to start putting money aside for it, whether or not paying it out yet. Uh, and, uh, but once you do these tax cuts, it's going to be pretty hard to undo them, you know, if you don't have enough money later on. So they're going to have to figure it out. Now, what about renters? Uh, there was big, uh, concern during these negotiations that what about renters? You know, these are low income people. Well, you're going to get something. It's going to be a $250 annual rebate for most renters. Not life changing at all. Not like having your property taxes cut in half. Um, but, uh. Good news. Uh, if you're a senior in New Jersey, uh, the state with the highest property taxes, it looks like you're going to get a 50% reduction in your real estate taxes starting the first quarter of 2026. 
mind-blowing news uh, this week out of the New Jersey legislature, who finally had done, done something right. Uh, you know, what we do is complain about government, uh, especially in blue states like this. Uh, but I think uh, protecting our seniors here, uh, especially in the highest tax state in, in, in the nation, will do a lot. And, and the name of the program is Stay New Jersey. Uh, that tells you a lot, right? You know, seniors have been fleeing New Jersey because of the oppressive taxes here and so forth uh, and the high cost of living. And now with this new deal, uh, maybe a lot more uh, seniors will stay New Jersey. All right, time for a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number here at The Financial Physician. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. I'm Lou Skatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday mornings, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to afford Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. If you're a small business, your expertise is taking care of customers. Our expertise is saving you time and money. We're the state's New Jersey Business Action Center. NJ Back. Get answers about government resources that can help you grow and thrive. From how to be a vendor with government to your business to finding capital. We've got your back at the back. Call us at 1-800-JERSEY-7. That's 1-800-JERSEY-7. This message sponsored by the New Jersey Business Action Center, the New Jersey Broadcasters Association, and this station. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. The following is a paid program. Views contained within do not necessarily reflect those of the staff management or sponsors of Town Square Media. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. 
right, welcome back to The Financial Physician, our last show here on 92.7 WOBM. Yes, that's right. After 23 years, we are ending our radio career uh, and moving to podcast only, um, uh, which I'm very excited about. I mean, for a few years now, we've been uploading this radio program to the the podcast at Podomatic. It's on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Podcasts. So anybody was able to get this radio program on the podcast, and hundreds of you do uh, each and every week uh, uh, listen to the podcast. As a matter of fact, in a recent article from Feeder Magazine, which is um, it's actually it's a website that, that tracks podcasts, uh, we were mentioned in an article that came out in late May that um, the 60, uh, 60 most listened to financial planning podcast in America, and we were ranked number 18. Uh, in financial planning podcast. So uh, thank you so much for making us that. And hopefully uh, the next article that comes out will be much higher because hopefully those of you who listen live every uh, uh, Sunday morning, and so many of you email me, say, I do listen live. I get up early or I'm an early riser and I, I, I love listening to you while I'm having my coffee in the morning. Uh, unfortunately, and for many of you, it's become like a tradition on Sunday mornings. But uh, no worries, because by 9 o'clock Sunday morning, this whole program is going to be available to you uh, going forward at thefinancialphysician.com, which is our website. Or you could just uh, uh, just subscribe to uh, the podcast uh, at Apple Podcast or at Podomatic or anywhere else. But you could always get it at thefinancialphysician.com. And uh, and we'll be doing podcasts during the week. Uh, uh, I I plan on keeping the show relatively the same as far as the format goes. Uh, on our Sunday podcast, I may not go two hours uh, because I have to fit, I have to fit it all in in one in two hour program here on the radio. Uh, on podcast, I could do a, an hour on Sunday. I could do a half hour on Tuesday and another half hour podcast on Thursday, and I could be really up to date with the news. Because, you know, something comes out and happens on Monday. I don't report it to Sunday. It's old news by then. Uh, so I'll pop up and uh, do a podcast. So give us your email at thefinancialphysician.com. We'll notify you anytime we update uh, a podcast there. So very excited about it. I'm going to do a lot to, to bring you a lot of information. We'll be able to talk about topics uh, that we don't talk about here or in a way or in depth that we can't talk about on the radio. Uh, so... Uh, um, you know, nowadays everybody's so sensitive, uh, so at least everybody on the podcast listening are going to be like-minded people, so I won't be offending too many people like I do these days. Uh, but that is um, uh, uh, going to go into effect next week. So uh, this is our last um, radio program after 23 years. It's kind of bittersweet for me because I, I love doing live radio. Uh, I've done it so long. Uh, I was even doing it two years before I, I came here, so it's been 25 years I've been doing radio live and it's uh it's a big portion of my life and i love it uh but uh the time has come now to move to the internet and we've been there and we've been growing there and uh, it's time to dedicate all our time to the podcast so if you're listening to me not live right now 92.7 you got to go to the podcast starting next sunday uh when we'll have our first podcast only show um not hard to find now, a lot of uh, older people, elderly people in their 80s, they don't have a smartphone. They're not good with computers. Uh, have well, your son or grandson or your kids or grandkids set you up uh, with a smartphone. You should have a smartphone nowadays anyway. Uh, and let them favorite, you know, show you how to get there. And you can listen to it just on your phone or on an iPad or on a computer. 
Otherwise, unfortunately, I'll have to say goodbye to you because we're not going to be on the air anymore. Uh, so uh, hopefully you'll join us for the podcast. Love your emails. Lou at the financial physician dot com. Lou at the financial physician dot com. If you have something you want me to cover on a podcast or you have personal finance questions, I, I plan on doing an email segment where I'll read uh, uh, an email I get from a listener who states they have a, a you know, a situation. Of course, I won't mention your name, you know, your 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 last name, but uh, uh, I'll answer your question there. You know, if you have a question, probably other people do as well. So let's share it and let's have uh, that segment where we uh, go over listeners' comments and uh, and questions. Uh, you have a personal finance question that you just want me to answer, you know, via email or give me a phone call. I'm more than happy to do that. We live in crazy times right now, so I'm more than happy to advise listeners on anything uh, affecting their financial life. That's Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. And, and of course, you know, my office is always available to you. We're in downtown Tom's River, and uh, I offer a no-obligation consultation. Uh, uh, Sometimes those consultations go two-plus hours. Um, And uh, uh, unless you become a client, uh, there's no cost for that initial consultation. So uh, you have nothing to lose. Come see me uh, if you're getting ready to retire or, you know, you're you're concerned about your savings in a bank and you want to look at alternatives. Uh, I'm here to help you. Uh, and that's uh, AFM Investments. Look me up. Just Google my name and uh, give us a call if you want to come in uh, for a no-obligation consultation. All right. The phone number here is 732-237-9626. Let's go take a phone call from Virginia and Brick. Virginia, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Lou. Thanks for taking my call. My question is the senior freeze for this year, or actually for last year, uh, are we still going to get it? Yes. Uh, well, the question now is, is the senior freeze going to still be in effect in 2026 when they cut your taxes in half? Uh, uh, I haven't been able to determine that yet because they've been going back and forth with it. Uh, I yes. guess if it is there. So say the senior freeze is uh, you have an $8,000 tax bill, but you get $2,000 back in the senior freeze. That would leave you with a $6,000 tax bill. And if they give you a 50% decline from that, uh, then you'd only pay 3000 uh, That's one scenario I've read about. Other scenario I've read about is that they would do away with the freeze altogether uh, and just give you a 50% reduction. Uh, I'm not sure. I have to get clarification on that. I'm not yet because the, the, the budget doesn't go into effect and, and it's not signed until July 1st. So there's all kinds of things yeah. going on there. But, yes, the senior freeze now for – uh, for this year is definitely in effect. Uh, uh, make sure you file for it uh, if you're 65 yeah, or older and you, you qualify. Another thing that's coming in in this budget is they're going to raise. It looks like they're going to raise the income limit to 150,000. Right now it's 50,000. So starting next year, I believe that they're going to raise the income limit to 150, so you can qualify for the senior freeze. So it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, how it how it works in with this uh, 50% decline in your property taxes in 2026? I don't know yet. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks for the call. Um, and, and that's that. The senior freeze has been a real good thing for seniors here in New Jersey. It really has been. Uh, it's. Um, uh, it, it, it freezes your tax. The year you apply, it freezes your, your property taxes. So, you know, if you, you applied for it 10 years ago, uh, you're still paying 10 years ago property taxes. So even though you, maybe it was $5,000 five year, uh, 10 years from ago, and now it's 10000 Well, you get a $5,000 refund. 
uh, that's big. Um, but, you know, you have certain income levels you have to maintain. Uh, that was around a little under a hundred thousand uh, dollars, and it looks like they're going to increase that even more. So, uh, uh, even on a podcast, you know, most of my listeners are from New Jersey, uh, so uh, I'll, I will be dealing with this on a podcast. I'll have more clarity uh, next week because the budget will be signed on July first. Uh, by July first, which is next Saturday, so by next Sunday, I'll have the hard facts regarding this, and and I'll update you on exactly how this. Um, 50% discount is going to work and how it's going to work with the anchor program is how it's going to work with the property tax freeze and so forth uh, and so on. We'll have that there. Uh, I want to spend some time talking to you about bonds. You know, uh, I haven't spent a lot of time talking about uh, the difference between stocks and bonds, and I really should. Um, you know, we all know that when you invest outside the bank, you're going to invest in stocks and bonds. But what what are these things really? I mean, most people know what a stock is, right? It's you own part of a company and it goes up or down based on the markets, the economy, how that company's profits are and everything else. So most people have an understanding of stocks, but many people don't have an understanding of bonds. Bonds sound boring, but they're really not. Uh Many retired folks, you know, bonds are their their number one investment, and that should be what's in a portfolio for retired people. The way I manage money for for my retired clients is almost exclusively with bonds. Well, what are bonds? Bonds are just loans. That's all they are. If you you own a bond, you, you loan money to some entity. And whenever there's a loan, there's interest rate paid, and there's terms on that loan, and when are you going to get it paid back? So what types of bonds are they? Uh, there is, um, uh, there's corporate bonds where you lend money to a corporation. Say uh, IBM wants to build a new plant. Uh, they could issue $500 million worth of uh, corporate bonds, and investors will buy those bonds. Uh, they'll pay interest on those bonds, and when the bond matures 20, 30 years later, they'll give you your money back. That's typically what a bond is. Uh, what is the interest rate? Well, the interest rate will be based on what the interest rate is at the time the bond comes public. So today, interest rates on corporate bonds that are coming public are a lot higher than they were a year ago when interest rates were much lower. If you lend money to the U.S. government, that's a treasury bond. And treasury bonds obviously pay interest and mature in a certain time. You could buy a a treasury debt that matures in three months, six months, or a year. That's a treasury bill. If you buy a treasury debt that matures in less than 10 years but greater than one year, that's called a note. And if you buy a treasury debt security that matures over 10 years, say 20 years or 30 years, that's called a bond. In essence, they're all the same thing. It's just different terms for them. If you lend money to the state of New Jersey uh, or, or a state uh, or a city, that's called a municipal bond or a tax-free municipal bond. So bonds pay interest, and typically they pay interest better than a bank would pay. And that's why a lot of retired people are bond investors. They're not looking to grow their money at this stage. They're looking to get income from their money. And that's a mistake that a lot of investors make. They, they think they need to continue to grow their money in retirement. That is not the case. 
The case is you need to have your money now start feeding you. You're not looking to grow it. You're looking to bring money into your life. To you know, We talked in the first segment about retirement income. Right? How can I get as much income into my life as possible? The time to grow my money is over when I retire. The time to live off my money starts at that point. So bonds are a very good vehicle for that. Now, what's the risk of bonds? Well, the risk of bonds, number one, is credit risk. What's credit risk? Well, what happens if that corporation goes bankrupt and I have a bond in that corporation? I'm in trouble, right? Yeah, you are. Um, But the thing that you have to understand about bonds is bondholders, given that their creditors are paid first when a company is liquidated. So a company goes bankrupt, you know, all their real estate is liquidated and uh, units of the company could be sold off. Uh, in a bankruptcy filing, and and then bondholders get paid first, whatever. Now, you may get 50 cents on the dollar, but stockholders get paid last. And that's why bonds are much more conservative than stocks. What else is the risk in bonds? Interest rate risks. The one thing you have to understand, the number one law of the bond market is if interest rates go up, bonds go down. And uh, and that's what happened, uh, you know, over the last year or so. Interest rates have gone up. And bond portfolios have gone down quite a bit. Uh, and uh, that's the reason we were seeing a problem in the banking system. A lot of banks own a lot of bonds. And we're also seeing problems in the pension system because one of the big investors in pensions are bonds and insu- uh, are, are uh, in, in the uh, biggest investors in the bond market are pensions and, and life insurance companies. They own all this stuff, too. So when interest rates went up quite dramatically over the last year, bond prices dropped. And the longer the maturity until that bond matures, the more it's going to decline. Now, the opposite's true. When interest rates go down, bond prices go up because your bond pays a higher interest. So it's more valuable. If I have a $1,000 bond that pays 8% and now interest rates are 4%, and that bond doesn't mature for 20 years, my bond is worth more than $1,000 because nobody else can get that now. And the opposite's true. If I have a bond paying 4% and now interest rates are 8% and I want to sell that bond before it matures, I'm going to get less for it. Uh, So think about the seesaw on the playground, right? One side goes up, the other side goes down and so forth. And the further out you go, in this case maturity, the more the volatility is. So you want to own long-term bonds when interest rates are very high and set to go down. And you want to you want to have short-term bonds when interest rates are low and interest rates are set to go up. Because now your money will mature short-term and you'll be able to reinvest that at higher rates. So uh, there's more to bonds than that. And, you know, it's top of the hour, so I, I just want to wrap it up. But I just wanted uh, – bonds are really attractive right now because yields on bonds are pretty, pretty good. I mean, you know, you're looking at, you know, one-year treasury bonds yielding 5%. You're looking at corporate bonds yielding 7 8 9%. Uh, and even muni bonds yielding tax-free interest uh, at reasonable rates of return right now. So uh, bonds are a great alternative to the um, the banks, which, you know, we know we have problems in banks. We'll talk about banks on the other side of the break. Uh, but the bond market is a place to investigate uh, and go see a good certified financial planner who could show you how the bond market could work for you. All right, top of the hour, 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name is Lou Skatigna. Be back right after the break.
time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, Paul, this is it, our last hour here on WOBM 92.7. After 23 years bringing the financial physician radio program Mainly to New Jersey, sure, but uh, after we started doing the podcast to America in general, uh, this is our last hour on live radio. We'll be going next week. We'll be starting the podcast only show um, at thefinancialphysician.com. That's how you get it. Uh, and uh, if you're just tuning in, don't know, that is starting next week. So uh, make sure you go over there, navigate around, learn how to get to the podcast. My goal is to have the podcast up. My, it's not my goal. I'm going to have the podcast up uh, by 9 a.m. Sunday morning. So uh, if you're a not, if you're a Sunday morning listener and it's your tradition and and you and your wife sit there and have breakfast listening to me every Sunday morning or you listen to me going to church, you'll still be able to do that. You'll just have to do it at the podcast. It'll be up and available to you. Our main podcast of the week will be Sunday mornings uh, at the Financial Physician uh, dot com, and we'll be doing additional uploads of smaller podcasts during the week as news warrants. Um, so you're going to want to be on our email list. So when you go to the website, make sure you give us your email uh, so we can notify you uh, when we update a podcast or a video podcast or a blog or, or whatever we do at the financial physician dot com. Uh, I really plan on making this show uh, ex- expansive. We're going to talk about a lot of things we can only touch on this show just due to the sensitivities of the day. Uh, We'll be able to be a little bit more open in how we uh, speak about things uh, and uh, give you a little bit more of an opinion that I may have that I can't really state on this radio program. Now, over the 23 years, there's been um, uh, a number of companies, corporations that own these stations that I've been part of. Uh, The two big ones have been Millennium Broadcasting uh, and uh, uh, recently, Town Square Media, uh, two pretty big uh, radio station, um, radio companies. And I got to say, I must say that uh, the station has been good to me over the years. The station has allowed me to be myself. Uh, and as long-term listeners of the show or even short-term listeners to the show know, I'm controversial. I'm not afraid to talk about subjects that others will not. I've taken on the crazy wokeness, the political correctness, uh, the things, like I said, that are are very sensitive in this day and age. And I I, I take them on unashamed uh, um, and and I will even more on the podcast. So you're going to want to join the podcast. But but I got to admit, in the 23 years I've been doing this show, I only once, and this was recently, got a call from the station saying, Lou, you know, we're a little uncomfortable with something you said. 
And that's saying something, given we've done 1,200 shows here over the years uh, and the things that I've talked about. Uh, and I know from general managers, and, and the one thing about radio is, boy, do people come and go. <laughs> Paul, you've been, you were here, uh, and I'm glad you're doing the last show with me because you were here early with the show. Uh, what year did you start in the station? I started uh, 2007. Okay, so I started the show in 2000. All right, so we've been doing it 23 years. So, so you've been here 16 years of that. And you were the producer of the show um, early on uh, when we were following Bob Levy back in the old sta- situa- station. So you're a dinosaur here. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm a dinosaur here. I mean, I'm one of the oldest uh, on-air personalities uh, on the station. I think just Kevin Williams has been here longer than me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, people do come and go, uh, a lot, but most general managers, uh, have told me that, uh, I've called them up, uh, you know, we're talking, you know, I have meetings with them periodically when we're talking about extending the contract and things like that. And they were saying, you know, I said to them, you know, it's amazing that I rarely get any emails or people complaining about the show and the things that I talk about. And I'm surprised about that given my controversial nature. Uh, and the general managers say, yeah, you don't get them. I get them. <laughs> I just don't send them to you. Uh, so, But the station has been really good with me over the years. They've allowed me to, to be myself. Uh, the show from a... Um, a business standpoint, this show built my my practice. I mean, I must say, this show has been a godsend uh, as far as uh, building AFM investments. Uh, almost all my clients have come to me, they're radio listeners, uh, and they've appreciated what we've talked about on this program. They, they get to know me. Uh, they've come in for uh, a, a complimentary consultation and become my clients. Uh, and uh, and I, I love all of you for that. And, and the, the station has really been... Uh, just a blessing to me, my family, my business, uh, and, and it served its purpose. Uh, and I want to thank um, uh, Becky Sonardo. Becky Sonardo is my contact at the station. She's one that's been around a long time, uh, and she's been very responsive uh, to any, any of my needs here uh, at the station. Uh, and uh, so it's, it's been a good run here. And I hope that anybody listening live, and I know many of you are live listeners uh, that you do go to the podcast. Uh, and like I said, if you're not computer literate, have somebody in your family help set you up. Uh, and and, uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to bringing you the podcast. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, and I'm going to refine it over time. And it, it's going to be hopefully one of the top podcasts on the internet. That's my goal is to build it to a huge. Uh, I want 10,000 people listening to the show. I want, then I want 25,000, uh, and I want to continue to grow it. And I need your help with that. So share the link to the podcast, uh, put it on social media, uh, email it to your friends, uh, and help us build uh, the Financial Position podcast, uh, because it'll be the only place you'll be able to hear what we have to talk about. All right, uh, we were talking uh, about bonds before the the break, uh, what they are and what they're not. I just want to let you know about the tax situation with some bonds before we move into some other interesting stories of the day. Uh, Just so you know, treasury bond interest is not state taxable, all right? So if you have a treasury bond or you have a mutual fund that has treasury bonds in it or you have a U.S. government money market fund, that interest is not state taxable. On the other hand, if you have a municipal bond, uh, it's not federal taxable. 
And years ago, I mean, early on the formation of the the republic, uh, the U.S. federal government said to states, we won't tax your bonds if you don't tax our bonds. Right. So uh, that's the way it is. So if you have a municipal bond, uh, you're not going to pay federal income taxes. And that's why people buy municipal bonds if they're in a high tax bracket. Uh, it makes sense for them to do it. Uh, and if you have a treasury bond, uh, it doesn't have to go on your state income taxes. So I wanted to bring that up to your um, to your attention. Now, this week, uh, Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve, met with Congress and, you know, he's hell bent on continuing to raise rates. He said, look, the battle against inflation is, is far from over. Uh, and he said right out that I expect to raise interest rates twice more this year, which kind of kind of took the markets by surprise because he paused two weeks ago uh, and said he was going to see what the data says. Um, but he looks like interest rates are going to go even higher, which certainly isn't good for mortgages. And it's not good for the banks. I mean, you remember the reason why these banks or these regional banks are in trouble is because their bond portfolios have gone down. And we saw the figure, the failure of a bunch of banks in, in March and into April. That has not gone away, by the way. That problem is still there. You don't hear much about it yet, but you will hear about it again. And uh, now more than ever, I think it's important to look at alternatives to bank accounts. You know, I had a client in this week, uh, has a lot of money in a bank, and said, Lou, I want to get this money out. Uh, you know, what are my options? And I've showed them. And that money is going to be coming out of the banks as soon as possible. So, again, I, you know, my last radio show here on WOBM, I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you again, the best advice I can give you is not to have your life savings in a bank. And if you do, you better not go over those SIPC, uh, FDIC limits. I'll tell you, Paul, a, a story. I made a scene in Bank of America this week. <laughs> are, you, are you surprised? No, I can't imagine that. <laughs> I really can't. All right. So, so this is a story. I own a rental property, and a person renting it from me um, is, is a contractor and got a check for 1000 bucks from somebody who did a job for it, and he just gave me the check. It was blank. And I made it out to cash, and I said, okay, that's part of the rent. He's going to pay me. And so I went to the Bank of America uh, that the check was drawn on, figured I'm going to cash it, right? It should be no problem, right? It's a Bank of America check. I walk into a Bank of America. So I walk into the Bank of America branch. I'm not going to tell you where it is. Uh, Locally here in the Jersey Shore. First of all, I drive out of my way on the way to work, and I get there, and it's ten o'clock. Uh, it doesn't open till ten o'clock. What bank opens at ten o'clock? I was there at nine thirty, right? I don't have time to sit there and wait. So I go to work, and on the way home on Friday, I pull into the bank, and I go in there and I wait on line because there's only one teller. So I wait fifteen minutes to to get to the teller, and I give her my license and I give her the check. And she goes, do you have an account here? I go, no. Do I have to, to cash a check drawn on your bank? Well, well, no. And then she goes on the computer and she spends like eight minutes typing something into the computer. I don't know what she's doing, right? And then she, she leaves and she says, I have to get this approved. So she goes in the back and she's gone for like 12 minutes. Now, meanwhile, 
the line behind me is going out the door because there's only one teller there, and I don't know what she's doing back there, right? And she comes back and says, uh, I can't cash this. You have to bring it to your own bank. I go, why? She goes, uh, it's just the format of the check doesn't match what we uh, are. I forgot exactly what she said. I wish I could remember the wording. But she said just the way the check looks, uh, they, they can't cash it, bring it to your own bank. I go, what do you mean? What do you Be specific. What do you mean? Well, it's made out to cash. It's signed by the person. Are you trying to tell me that the signature doesn't match up with the signature card? She goes, we can't tell you what, why we wouldn't want to do this, but you have to bring it to your own bank. So I'm starting to get loud now because, A, I'm wasting my time here twice. I drove there once. I drove there again. Now they're sending me to my own bank. I hate banks to begin with especially the big banks. So I start getting loud. (laughs) And I said, that's why I don't do business at this bank. And I turned around, everybody in the line there, and why you shouldn't either. And I go stammering out the bank. Uh, And it was, um, it was, I got got some pleasure at actually getting loud. I'm not a loud person. People who know me, now forget people who know me not on the radio, because I'm a totally different person off the radio. I'm a very quiet person. I'm very private. I'm very to myself. Uh, uh, I'm not an uppity person. I'm the quietest guy in the room usually. Uh, that's my normal personality. So I don't, I don't make scenes usually uh, until you push me to a place that I, I don't. Then I'm usually out of control. Uh, but anyway, I thought I'd share that story with you because my listeners know how much I love banks and uh, – uh, Bank of America is probably one of the worst. Anyway, so thank you, Bank of America, for doing your job and cashing a check made out in your own bank. All right, this week, I don't know where to start uh, in current events. Um, it started, I guess it was Monday or Tuesday, I didn't even know, where Hunter Biden copped this uh, plea deal with the government. After a five-year investigation, he gets two misdemeanors for tax evasion, which if it was you or I, we'd go to jail most likely. Uh, Then he is charged with what would be a felony uh, gun um, uh, violation. Uh, But, you know, the felony and the jail time that goes with it totally evaporated as they put him in a diversion program as an addict. Now, I don't know if he's still a crack addict. I don't think he is. But, you know, they're treating him as if he's a crack addict right now. And they're giving him, like, intervention. So uh, this was the wrist slap heard around the world. And it was obvious to everybody, whether you admit it or not, uh, that obviously this is a sweetheart deal for the president's son. And if it was anybody else, they would not get it, especially if it was uh, uh, your last name was Trump or you were just an everyday person. Uh, So this is obvious. The swamp is the swamp. Uh, Corruption at the highest levels of government go unchecked. Uh, And uh, the timing of this is very interesting as more and more evidence came out later in the week of of criminal activities by the mind. And this had nothing to do with his business deals overseas. This had nothing to do with uh, this bribery of five million each that they got. Uh, This had nothing to do with any of that. Money coming from Russia, money coming from Ukraine, money coming from China. None of this stuff has been investigated. And here he gets this ridiculous deal, and everybody knows it. Now, his attorney comes out 
and says that the five-year investigation is effectively closed, but the Justice Department insists that the investigation is ongoing. Well, what is it? Well, the Justice Department is saying the investigation is ongoing so they don't have to release any documents that they're holding to Congress. You see, they conveniently have been saying that we can't release certain documents because of an ongoing investigation. That's the way they always protect whoever they're investigating. Can anybody, this whole thing is so suspicious, it's ridiculous. Can anybody explain to me why it took five years for the investigation of two minor tax counts and a gun allegation? It all could have been confirmed in a month or less. Why did this take five years? Now, of course, these whistleblowers are coming out, this IRS whistleblower. These are higher-up IRS people. He came out and said Hunter was given preferential treatment. And then in his, the whistleblower's team was removed from further work by the Justice Department. And what about uh, the Foreign Agents Registration Act, where you're supposed to re- register as a foreign agent whenever you do business dealings overseas? Uh, you know, that sent Paul Manafort to prison. How long did it take them to investigate Manafort and put him in prison? Just a few months, right? They have all the information. They had the laptop since 2017. The FBI has had it with all the information, all the incrimination on it, not to mention all the sex and gun stuff that was going on there. They've had it all, and they sat on it. They dragged their feet. They didn't investigate important people regarding this. Uh, and then they give him a slap on the wrist. And they're trying to say that, you know, oh, yeah, the president's administration had nothing to do with it. Attorney General Merrick Garland blocked the appointment of a special counsel. I mean, if you want to talk about they went after Trump, and they're still going after him nonstop for perceived crimes. Here you have evidence of what could be called treason, or at least bribery. You have the wire transfers. They have all this. Congress has it now. Something like a hundred and something suspicious activity reports of wire transactions coming into shell companies owned by the Bidens. Um, And uh, five-year investigation, and now this comes out now. Uh, uh, And again, the media is burying stories on the evidence of millions of payments to the Bidens. but now it's starting to come apart because later in the week, uh, it comes out that they have this WhatsApp uh, message uh, to um, uh, apparently some Chinese national communist person that represents a company. They're all owned by the Communist Party, where basically uh, Hunter is shaking him down and saying, I'm sitting here with my dad uh, and uh, – and uh, it's, it says here, this is what, exactly what it said. I'm sitting here with my father. We'd like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. This is to Henry Zhao, okay? This is a real high up in uh, Harvest Fund Management um, that invested $1.5 billion with the Hunter's firm in the past. He goes, I'm sitting here with my father, 
And we wonder, uh, we would like to understand why the commitment has not been fulfilled. Tell the, the, the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or a text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my directions. I'm sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Now, if you want anything more incriminating than that, I don't know what it is. Oh, by the way, a few weeks later, Hunter Biden received a $5 million wire from a Chinese firm. Um, meanwhile, Biden's claimed many times that he's never spoken to Hunter about his overseas business dealings. And we know this is a lie. Come on. Uh, so Biden's um, in trouble now. I mean, this this is I told you last week that Biden would not be um, the presidential candidate. Uh, I told you that uh, it's not going to happen. Um, now, we're starting to see the mainstream media, they could only cover this up for so long. I mean, they've done a, a yeoman's job by not reporting on any of this stuff. I mean, they just don't report on it like it never happens. But now in um, the White House briefing room on Friday, uh, as all this stuff started to come out, I mean, it's just too much. I mean, if the, if the media wants to have any credibility, they have to start asking questions. And I think the media now realizes that Biden is so damaged in so many different ways, physically, mentally, and now politically, that he's not going to be the candidate. And they don't need to protect him anymore. So you're going to see the media abandon him now. And now the question is, how do do they get rid of him? Does he resign because of health reasons? Uh, Is he going to be impeached by the House and then have a trial in the Senate? Uh, 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 what's going to happen here? Now, James Rosen used to be with Fox News. And if you recall, uh, Obama spied on him and his, him uh, when he was a reporter for Fox News, believe it or not. Uh, he asked a question. Now, uh, 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 I always forget her name. Pierre, whatever her name is. Uh, she's the worst press secretary I've ever seen. She never answers a question. Uh, uh, but uh, they bring in this guy, Kirby. You know, who used to was the Defense Department spokesman, Admiral Kirby. Uh, And they bring him in sometimes because they don't trust her to be able to handle, you know, the reporters. So listen to James Rosen ask him a question and look how he responds. The House Ways and Means Committee yesterday released documents, their authenticity nowhere challenge. Uh, That included a July 2017 WhatsApp message sent by Hunter Biden to Henry Zhao a Chinese Communist Party official, which stated in its entirety, and I quote, I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand, and now means tonight. And Z, if I get a call or text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows, and my ability to forever hold a grudge, that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father, unquote. So just a couple of questions about this. First, does this not undermine uh, the president's claim during the 2020 campaign and the reaffirmations of that claim by his two press secretaries since then 
that he never once discussed his son's overseas business dealings with him? No, and I'm not going to comment further on this. We're good. James, James, let me just, let me save you some, let me save, let me save, let me save you some breath. If you're going to ask about this, I am not addressing, I don't, I know you do more than I'd like you to have. I am not going to address this issue from this podium. I'm just not going to do it. All right. I'm not going to do it. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. All right, so everybody's yelling at him and stuff, and I'm just not going to answer it. Well, you're the press. You're a spokesman for the president right now. The president has been accused and his son of shaking down a Chinese communist for millions of dollars, and there's no response. I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to walk away. Uh, So now they bring in... uh, 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 the press babe, uh, Pierre, or whatever her name is. Um, and she's there to try to mop it up a little bit. And it, it just gets worse. And listen to the press corps in the background, how raucous they get, the chaos in the room. Hunter to the state dinner last night. Um, I'm wondering if you could take us into the thinking and decision-making of why uh, the president decided to I, I'm just not going to get into family discussion, personal family discussion. As you know, Hunter is his son. I'm just not going to get into it. If, if Hunter Biden wasn't the president's son, would he have invited someone who had just reached a plea agreement with federal prosecutors? Well, to a, couple, a couple of things. Again, that's his son. It's a, He's a family member. It is not uncommon for family members to attend uh, events at the White House. You could look at past presidents. I'm sure you have. So that is not uncommon. As it relates to anything uh, uh, related to, uh, to Hunter, I'm just not going to respond to it from here. I believe my colleague uh, at the White House Council uh, has answered this question already, has dealt with this, has uh, uh, made it very clear. I just don't have anything to share outside of what my colleagues have shared, uh, and so I would refer you to him and the, D- and the DOJ. Just not going to comment from here. I, what I can tell you is I know that my colleague has dealt with this. He, he uh, addressed this at the White House Council. I just don't have anything else to share. I just, I just answered the question. I just answered the question. Yes or no, was the president involved in the Stephen, Stephen, I just answered the question. I just said, I just, this is, it's not up to you how I answer the question. I just answered the question by telling you my colleagues at the White House Council has dealt with this, and I would refer you to them. Just remind us what your colleague said from the White House Council, so we have it. I would, I would, I would refer you to them, and they will share their statement with you. Yeah. Your statements from that podium. You stated that the president stands by his comment from the 2020 campaign that he never once discussed his son's overseas business dealings with his son. And you stood at that podium, and you reaffirmed that. Do you stand by your reaffirmation? I, what I will say is nothing has changed. Nothing has changed, and I will leave it there. Anything else, I will refer you to the White House Counsel. I just answered the question. You asked, you just asked me, do, does my statement change? I just told you nothing has changed. That's answering the question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Stephen, I'm calling on your colleague right now. Go ahead. Thank you. To, to follow up on my colleague, is there anything that you can say with regard to this text message and what the president's son was alleging? 
Was the president fair or not? I would refer you to my colleagues at the White House. <laughs> they have addressed this, and I refer you to them. Good. Have you spoken to have you asked him whether he was there with his son on July 30th? This is not a conversation that I've had with the president. Again, I would refer you to the White House counsel. Have that conversation no. with the president? No. Did the president speak with the attorney general at all? I, can't, I, I, I cannot say uh, if the president uh, had had a conversation with the attorney general last night. What I can refer you to is the White House counsel's office. As it relates to the uh, allegations, uh, they've already addressed this. This is something for them to deal with. I refer you to the Department of Justice. <laughs> I refer you to my colleagues at the White House. She's always said that, you know. She never answers a question regarding, why are you the presidential spokesperson then? Isn't a press secretary supposed to face reporters and answer questions regarding the president of the United States? Yes, that is the job description. <laughs> but I refer you to the White House counsel. So let's go take a look about what the White House counsel said. The White House counsel is a guy named um, uh, Ian Sams. And this is all he said. As we have said many times before, the president was not in business with his son. That is the extent of the White House counsel. And this is who she's referring them to, a one-sentence answer. Then he goes on to say uh, uh, he loves his son and he's proud of his son, blah, blah, blah. But, but that's, that's the response of the White House counsel. Now, if you go to the White House counsel and ask him to expand on that, they refer you to the Justice Department. Who refers you to the White House? Do you see how this works? You get nothing, nothing resolved here. Uh, so it's uh, uh, obviously they're not going to answer any of these questions. Um, but um, uh, but at the Bidens, you could tell. The reason I played that too is not just to show you how they're just obfuscating and just trying to to push this under the rug, because obviously it's not good for the president is just to show you how the press now is had it with this. They can no longer maintain their credibility uh, as a White House press corps without pushing hard on this now because it's out there. Uh, we've passed the point of no return for the Bidens. It's over. Um, and um, as a matter of fact, uh, later in the week, I mean, in Thursday, I think it was, or Friday, the House Ways and Means Committee released bombshell new whistleblower testimony Thursday claiming that Hunter Biden failed to pay taxes on $8.3 million in income. And the Department of Justice denied attempts to bring charges in other states. Uh, the U.S. Attorney David Weiss allegedly asked for special counsel status and was denied it by the Department of Justice. Um. Weiss also alleged he tried to bring charges against Hunter in Washington, D.C. and California in the fall of 2022 and had the request denied by the Justice Department. You remember back there last fall, they were saying that the charges were going to drop any moment on Biden and nothing happened? That's because the Justice Department stopped it. Um, so obviously, Biden, you know, you can't be the son of the president or the king and get in any trouble. Uh, history tells us that, right? Uh, unless you're the son of a Republican president uh, or a Republican king, if they had him. Uh, so, you know, this is really, really, you know, the guilty plea states that it was related to one point five million in unreported income. And by the way, he's got to pay $150,000 in taxes. How do you pay just 10% on $1.5 in income? I don't get that. 
I mean, just penalties and interest would be more than that. Uh, won't spend a day in jail. Uh, and uh, so, uh, I mean, th- this is pretty intense stuff that we see coming on now. I mean, they impeach Trump for a phone call. <laughs> and here you have actual evidence. Evidence. You have wire transfers. <laughs> you have phone calls. You have you have Biden on, on on film telling him that he told the prosecutor that the country's not getting a billion dollars unless you fire the, the prosecutor that, that's going after my son's company. I mean, all these things are right there. Oh, my God. It uh, must be nice to be the president's son if you're a Democrat and you can get away with things, at least up to a certain uh, a certain um, situation. Um, oh, by the way, wh- wh- where is it here? Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, an IRS whistleblower from agency's criminal investigations unit revealed to the House Ways and Means Committee that Hunter Biden illegally deducted tens of thousands of dollars spent on prostitutes in a sex club from his taxes. This is sworn testimony by a higher-up IRS guy, a uh, whistleblower, who was investigating this. So he has the facts. Uh, according to the New York Post, a whistleblower, an anonymous IRS criminal investigator, said Hunter went to great lengths to avoid paying 106000 in taxes, including by writing off his sexual activities. He, deduct- he deducted payments that were made to who he called his West Coast assistant, but which is essentially a prostitute. I need a I need an East Coast assistant. What do you think, Paul? <laughs> I get deducted from my taxes, my East Coast assistant. Uh, oh, God. Um, oh, then he'd fly these prostitutes uh, to where he was, and he'd uh, he'd write off the the, <laughs> uh, the fare, the, the airline tickets. Um, he went to an elite Los Angeles sex club, which cost 10000 to get in, uh, and he was kicked out for grabbing women's butts and acting like a spoiled child. Uh, this was from the owner of the club. Uh, that's $18,000 wire he sent out there. 8000 was for wages, and 10000 was for a golf club membership. I haven't been to one of those golf clubs. <laughs> sex club. It just doesn't end with this. What, what, a, what a derelict this guy is. Uh, and I tell you, I, I, the, the corrupt media covering this up all this time, the laptop was disinformation and all this other stuff. Uh, but the walls are crumbling around crumbling around the, the Bidens right now. And it'd be interesting to see how this whole thing, how to get rid of them now. Um, and I don't think it's going to be long. I don't think it is. Um, I, I think this is going to um, unwind itself pretty quickly. All right, let's take a short break. Uh, 237-9626 is the call number. My name is Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. I'm Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your 
your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or planning to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. The following is a paid program. Views contained within do not necessarily reflect those of the staff management or sponsors of Town Square Media. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, in the home stretch, our final 20 minutes here on the radio on WOBM as we go podcast only next week. So if you're just joining us and uh, you tune in next Sunday, 7 to 9, to listen to the financial physician, you're going to hear music. You're not going to hear the financial physician because today is our last show here on 92.7 WOBM. We will be doing the program. That's not ending, but it will be at thefinancialphysician.com or any place you get podcasts. Just look up The Financial Physician or just look up my name, Lou Skatigna, and you'll find all the different platforms that you can listen to our program. And give us your email at thefinancialphysician.com so you'll be notified every time we upload a new podcast. We'll be doing midweek podcasts. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff at thefinancialphysician.com. And hopefully all of you who have listened to me live over the years now will go to the podcast and can listen to the show at uh, your convenience. Uh, Boy, there's so much to try to touch on here, uh, and I'm not going to get to it all. Uh, where do we want to go next? Uh, why, why is this so problematic, this this Biden stuff and this bribery and the big guy getting 10%? I mean, the Bidens and Joe Biden is going to go down, <coughs> excuse me, go down in history as the most corrupt president we've ever had. And, and that's saying something because we had some pretty corrupt presidents in the past uh and uh also the worst president we've ever had uh and that's going to be it's quite evident now but it, it's it's going to be in uh and maybe uh the second president at least that i know of to resign under criminal process you know problems uh similar to uh richard nixon um but why is this a problem uh you know trump came out saturday and he said you know these new revelations about hunter Biden's business dealing uh, with china um maybe that's the reason why Biden has inaction on China's efforts to build a spy base in Cuba. If you hear about this, I mean, he hasn't really even mentioned it as if it's nothing. And, and that's the key. I don't know if uh, he's being influenced by this in any way, shape or form. Uh, but uh, uh, but apparently it could be. Or how about Ukraine? All the money that's come from Ukraine. Are we are we backing uh, Ukraine and we can't get out of this? Because uh, Zelensky has so much dirt on, on the Bidens that, that, that he's blackmailing them? Uh, you know, I don't know. 
Oh, by the way, the Pentagon just figured out they made an accounting error. So there's nine billion dollars more for Ukraine uh, because when we were figuring out how much we were giving them, we were giving them uh, replacement costs. We weren't giving them the value of the equipment today because, you know, it's older. So it's not the replacement cost. So magically, there's nine billion dollars more to shovel over to Ukraine uh, to go into the pockets of Zelensky and everybody else over there to make them rich. Uh, we had a, a coup attempt. This was quite bizarre. Uh, Friday, I woke up Sunday morning to find out that the head of the Wagner Group, by the way, the Wagner Group are mercenaries uh, that China has hired. Uh, they're Russians, but they're mercenaries. They're not part of the regular military. They're a very effective fighting machine. Uh, done most of the, the big fighting in Ukraine. Uh, uh, the head the head guy there hates the Ministry of Defense, feels that they weren't getting the, the support that they needed as far as money and, and ammunition and stuff. And uh, he was marching on uh, on Russia uh, and trying to remove uh, the Department of Defense. And uh, it was a coup. And um, uh, Putin came out and he said that uh, it was a it was a mutiny and uh, blah, blah, blah. And then magically, uh, apparently, he agreed to turn around uh, and he's being exiled in um, Belarus. Uh, you know what exile means? How long do you think before this guy dies? Uh, not long. Uh, this guy is uh, Evgeny Prigozhin. Um, uh, he's really uh, crossed the line with Putin, and uh, it won't be long before you hear it. He's mysteriously died in a car crash or something like that. So, uh, But uh, apparently this is over. And all his mercenaries are going to be uh, avoid charges and all going to be assimilated into the Russian military. And uh, this is a good thing. I was very concerned about this yesterday. You don't want a civil war in Russia with all the nuclear weapons they have. And just realize, you know, Putin may be a bad guy, uh, but you don't know what's going to replace him. You don't want a power vacuum in a country that's at war with the West and has 5,600 nuclear weapons. Uh, you don't want that. Somebody that's more hardline than him may come in. Uh, so I was very concerned about it, as was NATO and, and the G7 had emergency meetings yesterday and phone calls and whatnot. Uh, so not a good thing. Um, so I was relieved to hear that uh, this thing was over pretty quickly. Now, Putin probably now has been harmed. He's probably um, been damaged politically. Uh, he's running for election next March, by the way. Uh, you know, he's been there 21 years. So uh, uh, I believe that the elections in Russia are about as secure as the elections here in the United States. Probably better, actually. They're probably more fair uh, than they are here. Uh, but um, just something I wanted to bring up because this was really uh, a really concerning thing. And it was a big deal. It came, kind of came out of nowhere and it's quite bizarre. Um, anyway. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Al in Wyoming. Al, how are you? Been good. I just wanted to wish you good luck on your new venture, and I really appreciate the last few years I've been listening to you on the radio. We all appreciate your efforts. Your candor is real refreshing. So, Al, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. You've called the show many times, and you've always had great, you know, great phone calls with me. And you know, you're a guy who's engaged, and I and I think you represent. 
uh, my audience. My audience are people like you. They're patriots. They're people across the country uh, who believe in uh, um, conservative ideals that this country was built on. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're from Wyoming. You're not from one of the big cities where uh, the liberal masses uh, have gone nuts. Uh, and I always appreciate your emails. You send me stuff all the time. A lot of it I, I talk about on the program here. And uh, I appreciate your phone calls. And hopefully you'll follow me to the podcast. I plan on doing it. Thank you, sir. All right. Have a good day. Al, thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Al's a great guy. Al, Al actually has become a client of mine uh, over the years. And uh, I've always appreciated hearing from people, you know, in middle America. You know, that, that, that you know, he has a ranch, you know, you know, that, that, that this is the salt of America, the, the salt of the earth, these people. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I have a lot of listeners across the country. I did spend two years uh, on XM satellite radio and built a national audience. Many of you have followed me here uh, on the podcast uh, of the show. So uh, um, we're going to grow the podcast. Tell your friends about our program. There's lots to talk about. And uh, this week alone, I mean, it's just the beginning of uh, ultimate craziness that we're going to be living in. And he has a case in point. The United Nations is planning to introduce a global digital ID system that's linked to individual bank accounts. What can go wrong there? The plan, which is similar to the system developed by the World Economic Forum. Uh, isn't it all the same? The world, the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, uh, the World Health Organization... Davos, uh, they're all the same. These are all the same. These are the globalists. The goal of the briefs is to advance UN Secretary General's vision for the future. Yeah. Officially titled Our Common Agenda, Gutierrez's vision should be given the green light in September 2024 during an event dubbed the Summit for the Future. Digital ID is linked with bank or mobile money accounts can improve the delivery of social protection coverage and serve to better reach eligible beneficiaries. Digital technologies may help to reduce leakage, errors, and costs in the design of social protection programs. The UN describes this goal as an open, free, secure, and human-centered digital future. So essentially, the objective is to have people, devices, Entities all tied up in a connected network that could apparently be centrally administrated by unelected bureaucrats. Yeah, nothing go wrong here. Uh, world government. That's what they're looking for. Uh, apparently, uh, some pretty interesting news uh, related to the, uh, the the whittling away, if not destruction, of the United States dollar as a world reserve currency. Um uh, Jim Rickards came out. Jim Rickards is a very well-known six-time best-selling author, advisor to governments around the world over the years. Came out and announced that uh, on a meeting of the BRICS this August, uh, between the 22nd and the 24th, they're going to announce their own currency. And they're going to announce that it's going to be backed by commodities and gold. Uh, this is earth-shattering. Uh, I didn't think that that was going to happen this quickly. Uh, but uh, you're going to have half the population, which are going to be joining the BRICS nations, uh, are going to be doing business other than the dollar. This is pretty earth-shattering. We'll see how that news, when it comes out, how it affects things, whether it's commodity markets, uh, the U.S. dollar, uh, gold, silver, and things like that. Um, But uh, it's coming, Uh, and we're going to watch this uh, 
with a very, very close eye. Um, so uh, that's one craziness down there. My crazy pile is so, so, so high that I can't get through it all. Uh, uh, let's see. All right. So the World Economic Forum's dietary blueprint for the masses is becoming reality as lab-grown meat, bugs, and plant-based foods are quickly being adopted under the guise of solving climate change. Everything's climate change. Uh, the latest move by elites and governments to reset the global food supply chain and U.S. regulators approve the sale of meat cultivated from chicken cells. This makes the U.S. the second country worldwide besides Singapore to approve the sale of lab-grown fake meat. The Agriculture Department approved Upside Foods and Good Meat to begin selling cell-cultivated or cultured chicken meat from labs in supermarkets and restaurants. Um, ups, ups, upside food CEO said uh, U.S. will fundamentally change how meat makes it to our table. I'm not eating no lab-made meat. Paul, what did you just tell me at the break about how they do this? Well, they look for the fastest replicating cells so they can make it faster. And what kind of cells are they? Dormant cancer cells. Oh, wonderful. Let's eat cancer meat. Now, that should be really good for you. They're trying to kill us off. Do you notice they're killing, trying to kill us off with vaccines, with pandemics, with food famine? And now they want to give us lab-grown meat made from cancer cells. Got to be great for you. And the problem is, um, who is this? Uh, Representative Mike Mike Flood has to be a Republican, of course, from Nebraska. He tweeted this. He said the globalists are at it again, pushing their plans for shifting the world towards a vegan diet as they dream of ending meat production. So what they're saying is they're trying to say that this is uh, for climate change. But they're saying the process to make this meat takes more energy than it takes to grow meat. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, what other insanity do we have? Oh, uh, New Jersey sues Middletown and two other districts for transgender student policies. You hear about this? The state of New Jersey has now sued the Middletown School District plus Marlboro and Manalapan over their new transgender student policies. Well, what is their transgender student policies? Well, uh, the Board of Education in these towns, mainly Republican areas of the state, um, teachers are now required to notify parents if a child seeks to officially go by a different name or gender pronoun or use a different bathroom in school. Um, Marlboro and Allopin English Town Regional School Boards approved similar transgender policies this week. But New Jersey Attorney, Attorney General Matt Platkin says the districts are putting the safety of transgender students at risk. The safety at risk by outing a word he chose. The minors to their parents. So my my kid could tell everybody at school, including the teachers, that he's a girl and to call him by a different name and use the girl's bathroom. But I shouldn't be notified about that because it'll put them at risk of what? Of being yelled at by their parents when they get home? What the hell's wrong with you? John, not Julie. And this is what the complaint goes on to say. On June 20th, 2023, 
Middletown Board passed a revised version of its policy 5756 that discriminates against transgender students and certain gender non-conforming, non-binary, genderqueer, and other gender-expansive students in clear violation of New Jersey law, wrote Attorney General. Outing these students against their will poses serious mental health risks, threatens physical harm to students, and includes risking increased suicides, and so forth. So they're suing. New Jersey will not tolerate any action by schools that threaten the health and safety of our young people. Yeah, the young health and safety is because I'm going to beat the crap out of my kid if he wants to wear a dress and change his pronouns. Oh, by the way, Senator, Senator Kennedy was interviewing this woman uh, on pronouns and gender. Hopefully we can squeeze it in before the end of the show. Question, not a suggestion. Do I understand your position to be that there are two sexes, but there can be more than two genders? Um, I wouldn't even say two. And, you know, we've got Dr. Lopez here as well, but there's also the definition of intersex. I think that often these conversations were conflating sex and gender. And I do want to affirm here that trans women are, are women. That is their gender. Okay. But, but I'm trying to understand. Are you, do you make a distinction between sex and gender? Yes, sir. Okay. Explain that. Do you think there are more than two sexes? Um, I believe that there's a a definition for intersex as well that I want to acknowledge. Um, But sex is assigned at birth. I'm just trying to understand. I'm thoroughly confused. So you're you're born, I'm talking about biology, male, female, and what else? I believe that intersex is also acknowledged. But again, I'm not a doctor here. What I can say is that there's a difference between sex and gender. And I think in these conversations, we're conflating the two. Well, but but I want to start with sex. Okay, there's male, there's female. When a baby's born, before the baby has had time to, to even have a sense of self, there's male, female, and intersex. There's a third... So I believe that is true, but I would defer to Dr. Lopez as I'm not a physician. Okay. Um, and how many genders are there? I think the gender is expansive, and the definitions are always growing. Um, you know, today I can tell you more I've heard young people more that talk about non-binary as... More than five? I think the gender is not a binary is what I'm trying but to is, say. Are there more than five genders? I'm just trying to understand. Are there more than five genders? Well, I mean, I think that there was a time where women... It goes on. I run out of time. I can't play it. But it's insanity. There's an unlimited number of genders. We live a sick and insane world, and we're going to report it to you every week on the podcast. It's our last broadcast here on WOBM. So if you want to listen to the show in the future, go to thefinancialphysician.com, to the podcast, share it with all your friends. Uh, my email address is Lou at the financial physician.com. My office number, if you want to come in for a consultation, 732-905-8100. It's been a great run here on WOBM, but see me on the podcast at the financial physician.com. And just remember, I'm not far right. I'm right so far and will continue to be so.